the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Since we are gathered to hear God's word and call upon him in prayer and praise, and receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in the fellowship of this altar, let us first consider our unworthiness and confess before God and one another that we have sinned in thought and in word and deed, and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Together as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ, and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Almighty God, have mercy upon us, forgive us our sins, and lead us to everlasting life. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you and for his sake. He forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
of your Son, you raised up the fallen world. Grant to your faithful people, rescued from the peril of everlasting death, perpetual gladness and eternal joys, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The reading of the Holy Scripture. The first reading for this, the third Sunday of Easter, is from the book of Acts, the second chapter. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Second reading from the first epistle of St. Peter, the first chapter. If you call on him as Father, who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly, from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. (coughs) 
Please stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, saying, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So, they, so he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. We confess together our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten of being, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, 
and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and on the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for today, the Gospel reading, the 24th chapter, 24th chapter of St. Luke, these verses. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and he walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. But a few weeks ago, a news anchor on one of the television networks with a large foreclosure crisis sign behind her started off the evening broadcast by saying, quote, Good evening, everyone. It's one of the worst things that can happen to a family, but it's happening to more and more in this country. They're losing their homes to foreclosure. The mortgage industry reported today that the foreclosure rate in the final quarter of 2007 hit an all-time high of 0.83%. The American dream is slipping away, unquote. Now those may indeed be high levels of foreclosure, but the American dream is hardly slipping away when 99.17% are not in foreclosure not to minimize the economic challenges of our times and a lot of our families during these times and it may get worse before it gets better but we need to put the hard and the troubling facts into a bigger perspective don't we we need to put them in their context so that we can see the bigger picture of things we need to see the details so often in the larger pictures of things otherwise we can't see the whole forest for the trees as the old saying goes otherwise the bad news that we perceive things to be in the individual circumstances of life becomes so domineering over our thinking that we can't see the greater good that is so often being worked in the bigger picture of things and how often that happens not only in the financial world and the financial end of things but how often it happens also in so many other areas of life where we don't see that bigger picture and we think then that the bad news is the predominant thing that we see even though all the while something good is on the horizon something good is right there staying in our face intrinsically and sinfully we doubt the multitude of God's promises to us and we get so caught up in what we perceive at the moment in time because of circumstances to be the downside of life that we can't see the upside that God has promised we can't see what God has said and believe what God has said to be true not only of the now but also of that which is to come and no matter if it's speaking of things in the area of health or things in the area of finances or in our lives as we relate to one another we so often doubt the promises of God and forget the promises of God not that it's anything new to us look at the two disciples in our text for today here they are as the text tells us they're walking along the seven mile stretch between Jerusalem and the small town of Emmaus they're talking with each other our text says about everything that had happened during the course of the days before them note it also says that their faces were downcast that tells us about their attitude of what was happening in those days that were around them and the days that had come before this day their faces were downcast a description that portrays their emotional state of mind at the time 
They were downcast as they reviewed in their own minds and with each other the events of the previous days. They were downcast because they couldn't imagine how good could possibly come out of what was happening. They were downcast because they couldn't see the whole forest for the tree, the phenomenal forest of God's eternal blessings that were going to come to them and to all people because of the single tree of the cross, which they had seen and experienced. Downcast because they were so preoccupied with the thought of all the bad news as they perceived it to be of Jesus' death, that they were totally missing the good news that was there to be found and the reason for his dying and what he accomplished by his death and the good news that was certified by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ that he had foretold even before he did. You see, earlier that day, those disciples had been with the other disciples of our Lord. They knew that Peter and John, at the bidding of Mary Magdalene, remember, had investigated the tomb and had returned to report that the tomb was indeed empty. They'd heard that report about the tomb being empty. But they weren't thinking emptiness because of resurrection. They were thinking emptiness because they thought that someone had removed the body of Jesus from the tomb, theft. Even as Mary Magdalene herself had thought, these two disciples had left Jerusalem for Emmaus before the time of the day when the women had come running to the disciples with the phenomenal news that they had actually seen with their own eyes the Lord Jesus Christ, that they had seen him risen from the dead. And so at this point, for these two disciples on this road, it was a most disconcerting day. The body of Jesus was really missing from the tomb no one had, to their knowledge, actually seen him alive, and so they assumed him to be dead, despite the promises that he made that he would rise again on the basis of their experiences in life, putting those over the word and the promises of God. They assumed him to be dead, and so they were downcast because they were trusting in their own interpretation and experiences instead of the promises of God. And frankly, these two disciples obviously weren't of a frame of mind that would have believed him to be alive, even if someone had said that they had seen him. Their disposition was such that they wouldn't believe it. In fact, they saw him, didn't they? They did see him themselves with their very own eyes. They saw him alive, and still they didn't even recognize him for who he was. There they were talking with each other about all these things, our text says. And what does it say after that? That Jesus came up and he walked along with them. And they don't even recognize him. They don't know who he is. They just assume, again, based on their experiences, that he must be one of the many pilgrims that had been visiting Jerusalem during those Passover days. But lest we be too hard on these two men, we should also keep in mind that others were as blind as they were to the resurrected presence of our Lord Jesus Christ because of the doubts, the sinful doubts of their own minds. Remember Mary Magdalene? What did she suppose? She supposed, on the basis of her experience again, 
contrary to the word of God? She supposed that when she heard the voice of Jesus, she supposed that it was indeed the voice of the gardener. Where have you taken my Lord? Tell me so that I might go and take care of him. And all the other disciples previously, where were they? They would be all out fishing. Remember that later on, they'd be out fishing in the lake. And Jesus would be there on the seashore and seeing then that stranger on the shore. And even later that very day when Jesus would appear to all of his gathered disciples in Jerusalem, what was their reaction? Whether it was seeing him from on the shore or seeing him in the upper room, what was their reaction when Jesus physically and visibly appeared unto them? They thought they were seeing a ghost, a gardener, a stranger, a pilgrim, a ghost. Now in trying to explain this inability of the disciples to recognize Christ, some people would have you believe that the body of Jesus that appears to the disciples after his death was different, a different body than the one that hung upon the cross of Calvary and was buried in the tomb. That the soul of Jesus had assumed some other physical form that the disciples didn't recognize and that's why they didn't see him for who he was. But that can't be. That's a denial of the resurrection of our Lord. That would be belief in reincarnation and the soul of one who has departed then occupying another body. It wouldn't be resurrection of a body that had been placed into the grave and we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and in our own resurrection in due time, not reincarnation. Know that the body of Jesus was the same body that had been on the cross, that the body of Jesus was the same body that had been buried in the tomb, that it was, that was so evident from the fact that the resurrected Christ appeared to his disciples and in their presence, remember, what did he do? We heard it last week in the gospel. He charged Thomas to put his finger into the nail print in his hand that had been there for the crucifixion. It was the same body to put his hand into his side and to feel the mark where the spear had entered in on the cross, the same body resurrected again from the dead, indeed a glorified body to be sure, a body that could indeed do supernatural things like passing through a door, glorified as it was, but it was still most certainly recognizable as the same body that had been on the cross of Calvary, the same body that they had carried to and placed within the tomb, and yet they didn't recognize him. Why? Why didn't they recognize him? They don't recognize him because they are, by their very sinful nature, again, predisposed to base everything upon their own experiences rather than upon the word of God that endures, as St. Peter says in our epistle lesson for today, the word of God that endures forever. They were predisposed to believe what was happening before their very eyes. They are so preoccupied with the seemingly tragic events of the prior two days that they can't possibly imagine that any good can possibly come from what had happened in those days. Just as Mary was so preoccupied with her own sorrow that she didn't recognize Christ in the garden near the tomb, or just as the disciples fishing out in the lake sometime later are so preoccupied with what they were doing and returning to the, the work they were doing out there in the boat that they don't recognize the risen Christ for who he is when he appears on the shore. 
how easy it is for all of them, and how easy it is for all of us to be so preoccupied with things in this world that we forget again about the promises of God, that we forget again about what, what God has done in Christ. To get so preoccupied with mulling over and over in our minds the unexpected events that come into our lives and befall us even as it did to the Emmaus disciples. And become so preoccupied with those things that we forget the promises of God. So preoccupied with our sorrows at the grief of death, at the death of someone we love as Mary was. Or all the work that awaits us like the other disciples when they were casting their nets out at sea. How easy it is for us all to have minds so preoccupied with the ordinary and the expected things in life's experiences with the negative things in life's experiences that we can't see the positively extraordinary things that God is doing right before our eyes. How foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe, Jesus says, all that the prophets have spoken to you. Jesus told that to the two Emmaus disciples. He says the same thing to us in our doubts. Did not Christ have to suffer these things that he did and only then enter into glory? The living, the suffering, and the dying, and the rising of our Lord Jesus Christ were all divine necessities. Divine necessities if divinity was going to atone for the sins of humanity and reconcile the world again unto God. It could be no other way. Man may not see that. God knew it. Man couldn't do anything about it. God did. And he did it in his son. And while all the world wept, the victory was being won. The living, the suffering, the dying, the rising of our Lord were all those divine necessities. And so, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them, using all of the Old Testament, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Ironically, people throughout the ages, and even in our own very day, long for visions, don't they? They want to have visions to certify what they think. A vision for this, a vision for that. That through these visions, their faith in God might be somehow confirmed, that it might be somehow verified. And yet, think about it. The two disciples on the Emmaus Road had so much more than visions. They had right there in front of them the very visible presence of Christ himself and right there in front of them, a presence that, unlike visions, could be touched. You don't claim to touch visions, but right there they could touch what was before them. They could tangibly hold the very flesh of Jesus, touch it and hold it, that was right before them. Not only see it and hear it, but touch it and hold it. And yet, note this well, though they had that right there before them, it's not not the visual presence of Christ that opened their eyes to that which was right there before them. What was it, as our text says, that made their hearts burn within them as they were walking along that road? Not the physical, visible 
presence, I should say, of Jesus, but rather in their own words, they said, were not our hearts burning within us? Well, he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. You want to know that in our day and age, the risen Lord Jesus Christ is with you, with you in your times of bewilderment and confusion, as he was with those Emmaus disciples in their times of bewilderment and confusion. You want to know that he's with you in your times of sadness and sorrow, as he was with Mary Magdalene in her day of sadness and sorrow. You want to know that he's with you when you're afraid for the future, as were those frightened disciples who were gathered in the upper room with you as you confront the challenges of everyday life, even as he was with the disciples who later returned to their nets and their boats. You want to know the risen Christ is with you today? Then look for him where he's promised to be found. Look for him in his word, because that's where he said he would be. And then after his word has caused our hearts also to burn within us as it caused the hearts of the Demaeus disciples to burn within them, then we too, as they did, will also recognize him right here in the breaking of the bread. They, in an ordinary evening meal that they shared with him, they reminded them of that night in which he was betrayed when he broke the bread. We, in the blessed sacrament right here of his very body and blood where he here and now comes to us. You want to know where faith meets Jesus? Faith meets Jesus over there in the water of the font. Faith meets Jesus here in the word that is heard. Faith meets Jesus right there in bread and in wine. Because that's where in our day, despite visible presence, he most certainly is present in all of his blessed reality. He who walked along the road with them will also walk along the road of life with each of us. And as he does, may he often hear us pray that Emmaus prayer. Stay with us, Lord. Stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day is almost over. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
going to their knees. We pray. Father most holy, by the precious blood of your only begotten, Jesus Christ, you have ransomed us from sin's futility, won forgiveness of all of our sin, and have caused us to be born again in baptism to an inheritance imperishable. By your everlasting word and life-giving sacraments, keep us firm in your word and faith until life's end. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy Spirit, blessed gift of the Father poured out upon all who have been baptized into Christ. Work daily repentance in the people of your church that we may live godly lives and seek to set our minds on things above. Through all of our days, fix our hearts on your everlasting promise that all who have been baptized have put on Christ and his righteousness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of the nations, as you raise up and sustain leaders to serve at your pleasure, grant them humility and discernment that they might seek to promote justice in their lands. Bless the leaders of our country and communities that their efforts might enhance the common good. Encourage peaceable and harmonious living between the citizens in our towns and neighborhoods. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless the homes of your people, Lord. Cause fathers and mothers to be godly examples to the children that you've entrusted to them. Preserve respect and honor among children for their parents and grandparents. Mend divisions, Holy Father, and promote forgiveness, that as through Christ the world has been reconciled to you, so also through him and after him your children might be reconciled with one another. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Grant comfort to the grieving, Lord, including Jeanette Brackman and her family at the death of her daughter, Nadine, and also comfort Fred and Ethel Hine at the sudden loss of their in-law. Remind them of the resurrection promises for all of those who are by baptism and faith connected to Christ's resurrected life. Give also hope to the depressed, your presence and companionship of godly friends to the lonely, direction to the lost and wayward, freedom and forgiveness to the addicted, calm to the troubled, and peaceful rest in Christ to those who are guilt-afflicted. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Grant also health and healing to those who stand in need, including those homebound members of our congregation, also Marna Anderson, Slim and Mickey Paul. Assure them of your grace sufficient for the day, and preserve them, whether in strength of body or in patience of spirit that each might live life confidently, waiting upon you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Christ Jesus, Lord of the Supper, grant us by your word faith to believe and open eyes of faith to recognize you at the sacramental breaking of the bread. As you here draw near to us in your risen body and your very blood, may we, re may we receive the meal in faith for the forgiveness of our sins and the good of our souls and bodies. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Stay near to us, gracious Lord, as life draws on into the setting of our days. And in the twilight of life, keep us ever near to you by your word and supper, sustaining us faith's hope until earth's shadows give way and heaven's eternal morning dawns upon us. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Lord, into your hands we commend all for whom we pray, 
trusting in your mercy, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and grace. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God, for the countless blessings you so freely bestow on us in all creation. Above all, we give thanks for your boundless love shown to us when you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into our flesh and laid on him our sin, giving him into death that we might not die eternally. Because he is now risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity, all who believe in him will overcome sin and death and will rise again to new life. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed. By his death, he has redeemed us from bondage to sin and death, and by his resurrection, he has delivered us into life in him. Grant us to keep the feast in sincerity and truth faithfully eating his body, given into death, and drinking his life's blood poured out for our salvation until we pass through death to the promised land of life eternal. Hear us as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, this cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
The peace of the Lord be with you always.
gracious God, our Heavenly Father, you have given us a foretaste of the feast to come in the holy supper of your Son's body and blood. Keep us firm in the true faith throughout all our days of pilgrimage, that on the day of his coming, we may together with all your saints celebrate the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.